You are listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Your Daily Drive is the podcast where we put our articles in audio format so you can listen while you're driving down the road. Do not text or drive, but you are welcome to listen to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, if you have questions, we are ready. We're waiting on you right now to get on our forum and ask our questions. Uh, ask your question. Will you do that? We have a community forum for anybody in the world. Jump on there and ask, and it would be great. We'll be glad to uh, to respond to you. Somebody from our team will do that promptly. If you are a supporting member of our site, may your kind continue to grow. We have a private forum for you, and so you get on that private forum. I want to talk about one of those unmentionables today. The title of the podcast is Diagnosing Disappointment with God When Trouble Comes. Disappointment with God is one of the unmentionables in the Christian community. There are some things you just don't say out loud. It's like family problems that some folks prefer to sweep under the rug. And though everyone in the room is thinking about Mabel's estranged marriage, Nobody dares to talk about it. And as far as Christianity is concerned, everybody in the body of Christ has experienced disappointment, but too many of us are unwilling to say it. And so that's what I want to talk about in the podcast. Again, I'm glad that you are here. Now, perhaps you want to talk about this idea, disappointment with God, and you're welcome to do that. Just ask your question. Also, I haven't said this in a while. Uh, If you have a a personal question that involves people, places, and things, you can always flatten it out. What I mean by flattening it out is changing the names, the persons, the places, and the things, uh, because that's not altogether important. Uh, You can even start it with, I have a friend. However you want to flatten it out is fine if you don't want to talk about Uh, the specific people, because again, that's not the main thing. The main thing is that we answer your question, that we give you direction, that we serve you in whatever way that we can, and we want to give you an outlet, and we do have an outlet to do that. I know that you have experienced disappointment. You are living, breathing, walking about on planet Earth. Uh, You cannot get through life without disappointment, and you have had some. Some of you have had horrendous disappointments in your life. It is a thing, and we don't want to be like that family that sweeps stuff under the rug. We want to be able to talk about it, and everybody in the room is thinking about it. Everybody in the room has gone through it. Somebody just needs to say it out loud so we can start talking because there's a danger with not talking about it, and that is that you will be tempted to internalize your troubles. And whenever you go internally to your uh, regarding your troubles, you'll get in all sorts of trouble. You need an outlet, not to gossip, not to slander, not to uh, be critically, uncharitably judging, or all the other talking sins that we can find ourselves into. Uh, But you can talk, and you need to talk. You need to talk to the Lord, of course. You need to talk vertically, and you also need to talk horizontally. You want to be careful about internalizing your troubles without uh, going the other way and talking about it. This reaction of internalization can open the door to all kinds of sins like unbelief, fear, bitterness, 
anger. Maybe you have been there and you say, yes, and amen, Rick. I have been there and done that. And perhaps some of you are there now. Don't stay there. Now, when I say that, I, I know that you're not going to be able to, like, you rise from bed and you shake yourself off and, and you're good to go. It's not going to happen like that. These are heart sins. These are heart problems, things that are deep in your soul. And it's going to take work to do. I wish we could snap our finger like flipping on a light switch and and our problems go away that quickly. But that's not how this works, not deep-seated disappointment. But you do need to change, and you start changing by making that commitment with God that, Lord, I'm going to work this out. I need your grace. I need your help. I need your assistance. Would you bring someone along to, to come alongside me to help me with this? But expressing your disappointment with the Almighty is one of those things that is hard to approach or articulate. Some would even argue that saying it the way I have framed it here, disappointment with God, is not the best way to talk about your disappointment. Now, I agree with that perspective to a degree, because it can sound like an accusation, and that is not what I want you to hear, because that is not what I am saying. When I talk about disappointment with God, I'm not saying it like it's an accusation. I'm merely saying that I am God's child and I can be disappointed. It is a reality. If you have been regenerated, if God has imposed himself into your life, you're God's child. You are adopted, justified. You've received definitive sanctification, but you will be disappointed. There are two realities here for me to discern. One, the accent mark goes on me as far as what is wrong. When I talk about disappointment with God, I am not putting the accent mark on God as though it is something that he is that he has done wrong. But just because I put the accent mark on me, it doesn't preclude me from acknowledging the other person in the relationship, my heavenly Father. It is helpful within the right context and with the right attitudes to talk about your disappointments as a Christian, as a child of God. That's one reality that I have to discern. The second one is there is a difference between being negative, critical, angry, and bitter versus being honest, vulnerable, transparent, and open to change. If you can talk about your disappointments with humility, you're in the right place. Now, I know some people can't talk about their disappointments with humility, or they're not able to truly recognize what they are saying. Now, one of the things that you can do, and I've done this in counseling before, and, and you can do it not just in counseling, you can do it with other relationships. You can do it in a small group, for example. I've done this with, with Lucia many times. Is one of the things that you can do because you don't hear yourself like other people hear you is you can ask, you know, do, do I sound negative, critical, angry, bitter when I talk about my disappointments? Or does it just come across as honest, vulnerable, transparent, and open to change? So those are two things that you need to discern when you talk about your disappointments with God. One, the accent mark goes on you, but it doesn't preclude you from acknowledging the other person in the relationship. And number two, there's a difference between being negative, critical, angry, etc., and being vulnerable, transparent, honest, and open. Now, the reason it is a challenge for some people 
to talk about their disappointments is the tenuous juxtaposition of inevitable, inevitable disappointment with God's sovereignty. I might better slow that down a little bit. I've noticed there's a lot of syllables in that sentence. The reason it is a challenge for some people to talk about their disappointments is the tenuous juxtaposition the putting together of two things, the joining of two things, the tenuous juxtaposition of inevitable disappointment, putting that together with God's sovereignty. And so what you're juxtaposing is disappointment and God's sovereignty. And that's a tenuous juxtaposition when you put those two things together, disappointment with God, with God's sovereignty. Those two big ideas can feel too close to each other, and there's a reason for that. They are always contiguous to each other. Here are two things that are always connected, disappointment and God's sovereignty. As long as you live in this fallen world, you'll always experience disappointment to varying degrees. As long as you live in this fallen world, you will be under the umbrella of God's sovereignty. The reason those two ideas can feel too close to each other is because they're not only too close to each other, they are connected to each other. Humans will be disappointed. That is not only a given, but a promise from God. We read that in Genesis 3.18. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. This is part of the curse narrative when uh, the Lord was laid down the curse on Adam and Eve after they fell in Genesis 3.6. And so as long as you live in earth on earth, they, there will be disappointment, and God is in control of all things. Now, these are two tough thoughts for some people to put together. He is sovereign God. At some level of our awareness, we know these things to be true. In fact, that is what creates the problem for a lot of us. I experience disappointment, and God is sovereign, is sovereign. And thus, the question that flows out of that usually is, where was God when these things happened? Or did God allow them? Or why did God allow them? However that comes about, that's part of how we work through our disappointment. I don't think it would be wise to ignore these two fundamental truths, the doctrine of God and the doctrine of sin. Both of those things coexist, and they do cause a lot of issues. I was talking with my friend Biff about this very subject. He brought it up. We've been friends for a long time. This is a true story, by the way, and this is what I mean by uh, flattening something out. I have flattened this out, so you don't know who Biff is, and, and you don't need to know, but the story is true. So I was talking with Biff, and he brought it up, this idea of disappointment with God. We've been friends for a long time, and he has never shared on this level before expressing his disappointment toward God. I purposely changed the preposition here from with to toward because there is a difference. Being disappointed with God is talking about personal disappointment in a relationship, but not necessarily accusing the other person in the relationship, expressing disappointment toward God is a different matter. It places the accent mark of the blame on God and not on the individual, Biff. This kind of thinking will lead to a trap, which is what Biff was acknowledging. He was in a trap. It wasn't disappointment with God. It was disappointment toward God. 
And though we have talked many times about disappointment, frustration, mistakes, bad ideas, and sad things that have happened in his life, Biff has never stepped up and, and mentioned the unmentionable, his anger toward God. It reminded me of a time in my life when I suffered several devastating losses during a season. During that period of torment, I, I would never be truly honest with myself about what I thought about my troubles. What I mean by never being truly honest or completely honest with myself about the troubles, especially what I thought, specifically what I thought about my Heavenly Father. You see, it was easy for me to blame nearly everyone else that was involved in my ongoing disappointments, including myself, blaming myself for the dumb things that I did. But I could never bring myself to telling the whole truth. Though I was biblically wrong, I had an evil attitude that I was not bringing to the Lord. I was mad with Him. Yeah, it was wrong. I was biblically wrong. I had an evil attitude, but I would not bring that to the Lord, the fact that I was mad with him. I'm going to get back to Biff, but let me insert right here. If you want to read how I worked through that terrible season in my life where there were several dramatic losses, get my book, Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. Uh, you can click through it by going to our store. You'll find it there, or just go to Amazon and get it, Suffering Well. If, type four words is what I say, Suffering Well, Rick Thomas. And that book will come up. And it will walk you through this difficult time in my life, and I would encourage you because it is really a sound, I believe it's a sound theology of suffering from a practical perspective. But in my conversation with Biff, he acknowledged the in-depth issue of his heart. He had been angry with God. Now, interestingly enough, he did not say it this way. He did not say he was angry with God. I was the one who attached the biblical category of anger to what he was expressing. Now, it is critical here that, that, that you understand when you're helping someone and you're hearing them and you're, you're talking about disappointment with God, be careful about saying, well, you're just angry with God. That can be really strong on the face. That can be really strong the first time they hear it. And so you want to work up to that. But ultimately, you want them to see that. Biff talked about his expectations for his life and for his family. He talked about how his dream for his children was not coming to fruition. He spoke of other things that had not turned out the way he had expected. And while he was talking on one level, that level, the behavioral level about his life, his family, his children, and other things that had not turned out as he expected, I was listening at another level, a heart level. Though he did not use the words anger or disappointment in anything that he said, that is what he was talking about with me. He was clearly articulating his anger. He was clearly articulating his frustration, his fear, his bitterness, his disappointment, all of which he directed toward God. And he never used the word anger, frustration, fear, bitterness, or disappointment. Let me give you a listening note here when you listen to people. When you're listening to a person, make sure you are not only hearing what the individual is saying on the surface level above ground, as Biff was talking about his life, his family, his children, 
but also filter what the person is saying through the grid of Scripture. If you do this, you will be in the best possible place to help him. So while he was talking externally, behaviorally, about the circumstances and situations that were in his life, I was listening at a lower level because his words, his descriptors, came from his heart. Biff was talking about his life, but he was not connecting what he was saying to how the Word of God would interpret what he was saying. This process is the essence of discipleship. Biblically crystallizing what a person is saying so he can have a better understanding of God's perspective on his situation. And so what did I do? I gave Biff some categories to think about what he was saying. The two main ones were fear and anger. If I were to take everything that he said to me, you could put them in two big baskets, fear and anger. Now, as we continued our discussion the next day, he asked me if his problem was mostly pride, fear, or anger, which was a great question. You know what I said? What would you say? How would you answer him when he said, what is my problem? Is it mostly pride, fear, or anger? I said it was all three. Your problem is all three. There's pride, there's fear, there's anger. Let's walk through that. I want to walk through these three things. I'm, I'm diagnosing, is what this uh, podcast is titled, Diagnosing Disappointment with God When Trouble Comes. And so Bill has significant disappointment in his life. Trouble has come to him, and we're talking through it. I'm listening to what he has to say, and, and all the verbiage and all the, the words that he's using, we have, we have come down to diagnose his disappointment in three big words, pride, fear, and anger. Let's take pride first. Now, it is crucial that you understand what pride is. It has been defined many ways by Bible scholars all of which will say that pride is some version of, quote, without God. That's a good definition for pride. Pride is some version of without God. If you are proud, you are without God. Pride means doing what you're doing without God. It is an anti-God, self-centered, I don't need you way of thinking. Now, with that in mind, you should easily deduce that all sin is some form of pride because all sin is without God. When you sin, no matter what the act is, you're making a clear statement. Here's the statement. You're doing what you're doing without God. Now, the reason this is important is that to say a person is proud is like saying, I am a man. Well, that doesn't mean a lot. If 1,000 men are standing in a parking lot, you wouldn't have much to go on if you wanted to find me. Saying you are proud is like saying, I am a man. But if you begin to break down what kind of man I am, you can make progress in your search. There is a specific kind of man standing with the other 999 men in the parking lot. And the same goes for the word pride. Yes, Biff is struggling with pride, but what he needs to know are his manifestations of pride, the unique specificity of pride, so that he can repent of it. It's hard to repent of pride. You see, pride is like a basket category that all sins manifest. It is the flower pot from which all the poisonous flowers grow. 
the question the question is not so much about being proud it's a big deal but how is your pride manifesting itself today and so when biff says well as you have categorized my problems into three pride fear and anger which which one is it well, it's all three. The first one, obviously, is pride. Now let's talk about those two poisonous flowers that are growing out of his pride, the anger and the fear. Now, though we all have many manifestations of pride, Biff was only asking about two of them, fear and anger. Those were the two I wanted him to think about and hopefully repent from so he could mature in his relationship with God. Whenever a person is expressing disappointment toward God, it is because he is not getting what he wants. When a person is angry with God, it is because he or she is not getting what they want. Whatever that thing is, it has control over the individual. It controls Biff to the degree that Biff is disappointed if he does not get his desire met. And that's what James is saying when he talks about anger in James 4.1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you? You desire, you do not have, so you murder. There is a difference between not getting something and being okay with that outcome and not getting something and being disappointed especially if the disappointment is ongoing. Now, you can be disappointed in a moment of time. You'll be disappointed at a traffic light. You'll be disappointed when something didn't come to you that you had expected. That's normal, but what we're talking about here is ongoing disappointment, and there is a huge difference between not getting something and being okay. You could put okay in, in a quotation marks versus not getting something and being disappointed ongoing disappointment. If it is constant disappointment, the thing desired may become an idol, no matter what it is. One of the ways you can figure out if it's an idol or not is by filling in the blank to this question. Here's the question and the blank. You fill this in, and that will determine whether you have an idol going on or not. Here's the question. I could be happy if... Maybe that wasn't a question. Maybe that was a statement. But fill in the blank. I could be happy if. There's only one right answer to that question. Moses said it this way in Deuteronomy 33, 29. He said, happy are you, O Israel. This is how you become happy. He said, happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph? That's how you become happy, become saved by the Lord. The answer to the question is, I mean, you could answer it this way, which is perfectly fine. I could be happy if God saves me. If God has regenerated me, I am happy. That is the answer. That's a great answer. Biff listed quite a few things that he needed to be happy. Incidentally, none of those things seemed to be abnormal. He wanted a good church. He wanted God-loving kids, for example, and that's where we can get tripped up sometimes because the things that we want can be good things, a happy marriage, a good marriage, a nice wife, a nice husband. And we get tripped up because those are good things, but those things can take control of us. Some of the things that were on his happy list have not yet come to pass, and they may never come to pass. The necessity of Biff's desires coming to pass was the impetus for his disappointment. 
toward God. God has not come through for him yet, and it was necessary that these things come to pass, and Biff is angry about it. But he's also afraid. And so anger is more of an aggressive action toward God. But out of his pride flows not only anger, but fear. There is always a fear element when we are not getting our way. For example, Biff was fearful for his children. He had an idea of how they should turn out, and that has not happened yet. You see the other side of the coin? I'm angry that they are not this way, but I'm also afraid because they are not this way. So not only did this cause fear in the way that you would understand it, but it caused other forms of fear too, like regret. And so now we have another manifestation. In this case, a manifestation of fear. Regret is a would've, should've kind of attitude. It's a person who reflects backward to reassess his past actions, wondering if he did the right thing. As you can see, there's a spirit of self-reliance that a person connects to his angers, his fears, and his regrets. Biff is wanting to do this his way. He wants to use his strength, his power, his autonomy, his independence, because obviously God's not going to do it for him. Let's take a look at self-reliance, the posture that Biff is taking to get what he wants. Anger is a self-reliant way of making things happen. If I blow up in anger, I will get what I want. You see this kind of manipulation in children. They don't receive what they want, so they throw a tantrum. Adults have their way of doing this too. And so anger flows out of his self-reliance. Fear is a twisted kind of self-reliant thinking. It is the opposite of trust or faith. The self-reliant person chooses not to trust in the all-sufficient one, and because he is making that choice, he has no choice but to be afraid because he's doing it all himself. I'm not going to trust God. I'm going to do it myself. That will create fear. He fears because he knows he can't change things under his self-reliant strength. But that does not stop him from trying. And so anger flows out of self-reliance. Fear flows out of self-reliance. And then the regret piece flows out of self-reliance. Regret is a self-reliant person looking backward to figure out all his mistakes so he does not repeat them. He's really a legalist is what we're talking about here. If he does a better job in the future, he may get what he wants. Plus, he can continue to be self-reliant. All three of these categories is how Biff functions. Anger, fear, regret. These are the three specific ways in which pride works out in his life. These are his anti-faith sins that are at war with what God is calling him to do to have faith in Him. Biff is not willing to fully trust God because there are some things on his list of preferences, his desires that he wants, and he's not sure if God will come through for him. These things are non-negotiable in Biff's mind. He is essentially saying, I will be happy if you come through for me in these specific ways. When you do, I will be satisfied. And I will fully trust you at that time. As you know, this will never work with God. His ways are not our ways, and He will not allow us to barter with Him. We have only one choice if we want to be happy, and that is to trust Him regardless of what that may mean. Will you trust God alone? That is the only question that God will ever ask you. Ironically, that is all the Lord wants. 
While Biff wants several things from God. Biff has a list, but God has a single line item. Will you trust me regardless? Can we be honest with each other? Biff and I are going to continue our dialogue. He was humble and honest enough to say that his struggle was, was not with any particular human, but with God himself. His disappointment is, is toward the Lord. In one great big way, that was an awesome thing to say. It really was, to acknowledge this. Now we know where to go to work. Biff is not getting what he wants, and he is mad about it. That is it in a nutshell. He has taken a course of action through the years that has been a self-reliant way of getting the things on his list, the things that he wants. And this behavior has not gone well for him. He has responded with fear. I'm afraid I'm not going to get what I want. He has responded in anger. God has let me down. He is learning what Paul the apostle, and millions of other Christians have learned. It is this. God will go to great lengths and allow many things in our lives to save us from ourselves. If he so loved us that he would crush his son, rest in the assurance that his love won't be any less intense. If you need some help working through this, if you want to talk about this, I do have a 11-minute video, 11-minute, 39-second video on self-reliance where you find Bill's fear and anger. Uh, there's a, also a graphic here that you can read. There are three other articles that are attached to it, and you can come to us and ask questions. I would encourage you to do that. The title of the podcast, Diagnosing Disappointment with God When Trouble Comes. Trouble's coming. You better be able to diagnose the disappointment. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.